Hello. Well, if you're interested in Bitcoin SV, last week was a busy one. The CoinGeek conference in New York offered three days of talks, panels and chat about every aspect of BSV. There was an audience there watching in person, but many more like me watching online. Well, today I'm joined by two other online viewers to discuss what we learned from CoinGeek New York and what we liked and didn't like. So I'm delighted to welcome the two founding members of the Women of BSV group, Ruth Heesman. Hi, Ruth. Hiya. And Diddy Weldon. Hello, Diddy. Nice to meet you, Charles. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. So, yeah, New York, three days. We were all sitting in the UK watching. Uh, what, what was your overall impression, Diddy? Um, okay, so my overall impression of the CoinGeek conferences is that they are very well organized, very well put together. The, the production of them is astounding, but the actual quality of the speakers and the panelists um, is, is phenomenal. Um, some of the people that were actually talking and discussing the future developments that are coming um, was astounding. How did you enjoy your three days of sitting in front of the computer, Ruth? Oh, I loved it. I always love it. Um, I had a blast. Uh, but you see, I try and work whilst I'm watching it, which is a bit of a, a death blow, really, to necessarily taking everything in. Because um, it's our busiest time of year at the minute, so I can't afford not to work. But um, I absolutely love it. And is it just me, or is it getting longer each time? It's like three days of what was it like eight hours a day or something? It's a lot I think it, to take in. I mean, I think it, it, it is. It has been three days before, but I think the sessions are sort of shorter, so it feels like you're getting more value for money, I suppose, or value for the time that you put in. But it, it's, I mean, it's back to back and it's it's very intense. There were things that really leapt out at me, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But, um, you know, all of it, massively high quality, as always, and just going so deep with everything. I think that's something you don't see at other conferences uh, in, in the crypto space at all, is that they don't get into the nuts and bolts like we do in the BSV conferences. And that is, is a real education, the whole thing. In, in terms of the... Sorry, I was going to say it's also nice that the you have the the break with the CoinGeek TV. So the guys from you know the journalists from CoinGeek are there actually with the CoinGeek TV section, and those little sections were really nice as well to mm. break up that you know just when everybody's off and, and doing other things. So you know, I mean that again is top quality production as well. Well, let's let's um, look at it from the point of view of the world of BSV. What do you think um, would be, if you were writing a, a report about it, what would be the headline that came out of it that was a piece of news, that stuff that we didn't perhaps know about before the conference? Do you have any thoughts on that? Can I say, I would say onboarding problem solved. In what way? Uh, I thought Pearsand was just amazing. Right. But for anyone who, who missed that presentation, uh, Jeff Beck, is his name um, mm. and he's got a system which is a chrome extension where he can kind of superimpose uh, a payment mechanism on existing websites like twitter and so that you can send 
uh, money to people on Twitter. In fact, people who haven't even got wallets, That's which is rather amazing. Yeah, that's exactly. And Great. onboarding them via paymails and hand cash is exactly right, as far as I'm concerned, mm. because it, it can appeal to anybody then. Uh, you know, you, your, your parents, your brother-in-law, you know, whoever. Um, and um, and you can also target people who, you know, who have got lots of followers, who you'd like to see uh, get some BSV and understand a bit more about BSV. Uh, and it's all wrapped up beautifully in this, you know, share email and the, the notification. And just to top it all off, if they ignore it and they don't understand it, then the money gets returned to your wallet. So yeah. there's no risk involved. It's a Chrome extension. So mm. it actually worked with Amazon as well, um, which, you know, I mean, that is a great concept as well to be able to have it, not just for Twitter to be able to onboard people, but also the fact that you can actually spend this on Amazon. And that means you can actually buy nearly everything that you would ever need. I think that functionality is coming, Diddy. I'm not sure it was absolutely there yet. But I mean, if, I, I can't remember this, the screenshot, but he had uh, maybe nine different buttons or 12 different buttons with all different functionality on that he was talking about. And there were things like um, adding them to, say, WordPress or something so you can make it so that your your blog is now paid for. I think there was an Ask Me Anything button so you could make it so that people would pay to interact with you online uh, to answer questions, perhaps. I mean, for, for anybody who's uh, an influencer online, this would be... Phenomenal. A huge, because then now they don't have to write apps that do these things. They don't have to change the tools they're using. They don't have to get out of their comfort zone. They can just build this into whatever they're currently using um, and uh, onboard people at the same time. It is a great idea, going back to the, the Twitter uh, version of it, that a person who has never heard of BSV receives a message on Twitter saying uh, so-and-so has sent you $5 or whatever it is. And in order to collect it, go here and um, download, uh, uh, get your hand cash wallet, and then you will receive this money. Well, that's all very well, but it does require generosity on the people who've already got BSV to be doing this marketing uh, operation that is going to bring these people on board. I'm not sure. I mean, are there? I think that's the problem, though, Charles. I don't think that's the problem. I mean, we've all been pinging people money for years now, um, and enjoying it. Uh, I, I don't have an issue with that. I think if you thought that spending a, a dollar on somebody was going to get them to educate themselves about BSV, you'd do it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. That's all very well for the tens of thousands or the hundreds of thousands even of people who are really interested in BSV. But is that going to get from, you know, 100 million people to 1 billion people just because people are so keen that other people know about this? Thing? Am I right in thinking that uh, Elon Musk, when he started PayPal, they were actually giving away money and that was how they were onboarding people? Quite yeah? possible. Right. So this model does actually work, uh, I think. I mean, it causes them a problem eventually when they're a victim of their own success. But, you know, the way I think about it is I feel like people need to see PSN and the little lightning logo maybe seven or eight times before they actually click on it and treat it like, a you know, it goes into their brain as something that, oh, this is a real thing now. Uh, and I can trust this enough to click on this and read about it. So I think just smattering the internet with these 
with these notifications itself is going to be absolutely huge. I mean, that's guerrilla marketing 101, isn't it? You know, the idea of being able to, you know, buy buy through Amazon without necessarily having to hand over all your details or be logged into Amazon. Absolutely. If you can make that work, that's crazy. I, I mean, this is reinventing the internet all over again. I mean, the, the companies themselves probably won't be very happy. And I dare say Jack is probably not thrilled about this development on Twitter. I wonder whether Twitter or Amazon or any of these other big businesses will have some way of putting a stop to this if they don't think it's in their interest. I'm, I'm sure they'll try. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to well, see how it goes. Let, let's move on to, um, I don't know whether you came across uh, Ty Everett and his project Babbage. Yes. Um, I loved it. I tweeted about it, actually. I, I was so right. impressed. What, what did you um, see that, Diddy? Yeah, I've actually watched a couple of Ty's videos as well on YouTube. Um, so I, I'm really impressed with Ty, especially, um, you know, because he said he is partially sighted as well. And, and everything that he's actually achieved is, is phenomenal. Again, it's one of my favorite words at the moment, phenomenal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with Babbage as well. Just going back to the question of onboarding, um, that also brings to mind the session on the first day of this group of people whose gaming uh, projects are linked to hand cash built by gamers um, Unbounded and um, Haste as well. Did I mean, particularly they're built by gamers, uh, which is an existing business um, of esports. I thought was a pretty impressive uh, idea about how how people in that world are going to be brought into into having hand cash wallets to onboard gamers is is probably about the most effective approach we could have right now i mean i um i know that because jackson laxi was part of that that group as well and obviously jiro dogs and then um hash boards. but there was a part where um i'm sure jackson was saying that, you know, if you're a sound engineer as well, because obviously it's very difficult to get work in certain areas. And if you're a sound engineer, then you can, you know, you can sell your sounds within the games, um, mm. you know, like a wolf for a dog or a bark or, you know, and, and these things are, you know, that would then become an NFT in the game that can be sold on and sold on and sold on. So it opens up a real like for musicians who have had quite a hard time recently of not being able to gig and everything for the last couple of you know the mm. last 12 months or so it gives at least there is something else out there that actually is really tangible to be able to help you make a living um in that respect so i was really impressed with that but i'm impressed with jackson anyway because i've had a really good conversation with jackson um but yeah, I mean, I, I seem to remember the figure of 10 million gamers being something that was mentioned as well. And when we get 10 million gamers onboarded, then, I mean, you know, adoption and the onboarding process is going to be set. Each one of those tells somebody else and then that's yeah. one other person. Well, it's interesting that in Calvin Ayer's little uh, introduction to the whole conference, he made a big point of he has he's been in the world of uh, online gaming and gambling uh, businesses uh, before he was involved with bitcoin at all and he said that uh, he always thought that this was going to be an area that would be just perfect for bitcoin and that finally it's 
it seems to be coming coming about. I mean, yeah. I'm just wondering w- whether you, because there are these different sectors. There's there's the idea that possibly Bitcoin is going to just be completely behind the scenes and big supply chain uh, companies that we've never heard of will be the ones who really uh, start using it in a big way. Or is it consumers, the, the proverbial cup of coffee being bought with your phone or whatever? Or maybe it is gamers. I mean, what what is your... If you're optimistic about Bitcoin SV, where do you think the the real mass breakthrough is going to be seen first? Um, gambling. Um, I mean, obviously that's what Kelly. But but I I come from like I I come from I love horses, so I'm really into horse racing and the oracles that they use. And I was asking Joel um, a while ago when we went to a London meetup about you know this system itself would be absolutely perfect for dog racing and horse racing um and the gambling uh, you know th- that kind of sector um especially you've got sky bets you've got paddy power you've got ladbrooks um and all of these different you know different kind of entities that and i i just i mean i don't know if you realize but it is a, a, a game it is a massive industry but i mean um, I, th- I think gaming as well I think it's going to be absolutely huge. I mean, especially when it was like an NFT conference, wasn't it, for the first day or two? Um, when you think about all the in-game assets and you know ways to to um, reward people with tokens as well, I mean, it, it's sort of vast and mind-blowing, and I don't think we've really got to grips with, with what it's going to be yet. Maybe the future is a little, or the, even the present day version of the future is a little daunting. But so let's look backwards. And I'm thinking of the session about the two academics, or who, they work for Bellcore, yeah. who um, wrote some papers that were cited in the white paper. That's uh, Scott Stornetta and Stuart Haver, who sat with Craig Wright and Ian Grigg uh, remotely. Um, to discuss the the deep origins of the ideas in the white paper and the ideas behind Bitcoin, did you see that? What did you make of that? Yeah, I did see it. I was I, I was blown away. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. I I didn't actually know that piece of history about timestamping or about the blockchain, and I'm actually flabbergasted on the fact that you know this was back in the 90s, and for accounting purposes, why haven't we been using this? this system you know way before now it seems such a long time to have, have got to this point um but i was again i was like it was a real history lesson for me so yeah it was it was. um and he, you know he showed his little new york times advert and everything so yeah i mean that that filled in a couple of blanks for me but i was i am kind of well you know this this technology has done has been around a lot longer than i i personally have realized so why has it taken so long to get to this point but um, that's what craig always says isn't it you know he's often referring to the 90s isn't he yeah. sort of saying oh no we've done all this before we've had it all before um but what, what was craig's addition was it the the byzantine fault tolerance um i don't well, know he, but he, he yeah he, he he kind of brought it all together i think i mean the timestamp thing was part of it but i think the um the network of mining computers was an was an addition to that idea, oh, and, and several other yeah. aspects that uh, you know it, it, it by no means um, 
just a variation on the time stamping idea and the uh, Scott and uh, Stuart didn't weren't were not claiming that at all but I did think it, you mentioned the newspaper uh, Diddy and I did think it was amazing that they left that uh, Belcor lab and they started a commercial implementation of their idea uh, a company called Surety where you could um provide uh, sort of uh, a, you could register any kind of document with a timestamp and it all uh, every over a period of time then you'd end up with a long string of numbers which they would publish in the New York Times so that you could see that it existed by that date of the New York Times and what what I thought was amazing is that it still happens to this day mm. every every edition of the Sunday New York Times still has that you know update on their uh, on, on their system and so i mean that, that's really fascinating i think I, and was completely new to me it is amazing i wonder whether it'll continue after they after they're gone i mean that's the thing about um craig's bitcoin the difference i suppose is being distributed it will continue long after craig I, so, well, I think you know, the problem may be that there's no print edition of the New York Times for it to go into. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the newspaper will disappear before the blockchain does. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, that, what about Craig? Did you did you did you see his his presentations and what did you make of them? I did. His te yeah. Teaching is as always about commodities this time, wasn't it? Um, I always, I think I uh, tweeted, you know, it's given us a, a semi-annual bollocking. Um, and it does feel a bit like that. <laughs> he comes on stage and he, he basically, you know, rallies the troops and tell us all, tells us all to work harder, which I appreciate. I think it's, I think it's great, a great message. And that, and that's the thing is, is no matter how far we've come, there's, there's a hell of a lot further yet to go. Uh, so don't stop now. And I, I think, in in BSV, you can complain about the the price staying low and stuff, but it does at least have the effect of making it so that everybody has to be quite uh, industrious and ingenious and keep working uh, to increase you know the value of their portfolio, um, rather than sort of sitting back on our laurels and saying oh numbers gone up you know nothing more needed to be done because that's what's leaving BTC behind in the dust. It's because there's no development happening. And they've, they've really nothing to talk about at conferences. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather have the Craig Wright approach of, you know, a sort of a stern headmaster telling everybody to get back to work. How, how would you review Craig's uh, performance, did he? Um, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of Craig's um, interviews, um, hundreds of them. Um, mm -hmm. And I... I still learn new things every time. So, you know, he still comes out with, with something new. But um, I, I, I absolutely love Craig to bits. Um, with his brain for me is phenomenal. And I like his, um, his literally his straight approach to things. There's no yeah. ways, there's no graces. It is what it is. And if I'm pissed off with you, I will tell you. Um, mm. And he's very straight down the line with everything. And I, I, I've never met anybody like that before. And um, so I have ultimate respect for him. But I'm, I'm. What surprises me is, is after all these hundreds of hours, I still find there's still something new that I haven't heard mm. before that he comes out with. Um, and I just think he's such a a great leader who actually probably didn't realise 
that he was going to be a leader. Does that, you know, um, so ultimate respect for Craig. And I hope that people listen to him. I mean, he's fighting a lot of different battles at the same time, isn't he? I mean, and Ruth, you say he sort of gives everyone a ticking off, but a lot of the ticking off is to people in the world of BTC and other other parts of this business, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, certainly the the passion is always there. Um, and you know, do you think? But, but he's. I mean, what about the way he explains things? I, I, I mean, I think one of the issues about Coingate conference is who is it for? I mean, who is the audience? Do you yeah, think it? How, I, how should it? How much should it be focused on people within the world of BSV, and how much well, should it be looking yeah. beyond that? Do you think this is very very difficult line to walk, isn't it? And there's a quote that says, ideally, uh, things should make no sense until they make the right sense. If you think about that for a minute, um, and I think that Craig suffers with this problem. Um, I think for most people in BTC and the other cryptos, he sounds like he's talking gibberish because for them, this is a whole uh, subject area lexicon that they're not familiar with. They've been watching too much Max Kaiser, too much Michael Saylor, and they they have no idea what Bitcoin really is. And so when Craig talks, it it just sounds like nonsense because they they don't they they don't have the, the map. But does that but does saying. that mean that I mean that in a way that is a good thing I suppose in in the sense that there's a there's a way of understanding it. But does it also mean that BSV is a rather kind of closed, almost cultish world where you need to be in it to to understand it? Really, that's not a good a thing. Problem. Presumably, it's definitely a problem. I I there aren't very easy ways to solve it. I don't think. I don't. I don't. I don't see it as a call. I just see it as that people have a lot to learn, and you're, you're only going to learn if you take the time to actually learn. And a lot of people, as you say, they've got this very black and white idea of number go up and if number doesn't go up then it's not working and that's not what bitcoin is about in from my perspective because i saw everything about where the ideas came from and what the fundamentals are for the for the you know for the reason it exists in the first place and i think if people actually did their homework properly and actually learned why um, it came about as well in the first place, then I think they might have a better understanding. But to actually try and, I mean, I've been trying to teach my parents about Bitcoin for ages, and, and finally it's sinking in, but it's been like four years of me just talking about Bitcoin every single day before it's like, <laughs> oh, ears trip up, and it's like, oh, okay, this makes sense now because, you know, and I, I think it's been suppressed quite a lot by mainstream media as well, or taken the wrong way again um um with the btc rhetoric of number go up um and i think that just blinds people from actually looking at the technology itself and what the technology does it's all about you know let's make a quick book i I, i'm not that kind of person myself after after four years of talking to your parents about bitcoin do they do they open the door and say, oh, great to see you, Diddy. Now, let, tell me more about Bitcoin. <laughs> no. no <laughs> However, my mum my will look at her hand cash every now and again and go, oh, 
oh, okay, okay. You know, um, I, 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 you know, I, I, I managed to get my mom on hand cash, um, which was a big step. So, you know, I'm trying to teach her step by step how to learn, you know. But I, I, I think Charles Lincoln's the 80-20 rule. Like, there's probably only 20% of the population you're ever going to get it. And so what we need to do, I mean, if that, it sounds like less than that at the minute. Um, but I think what we've just got to do is build the apps that knock down all the barriers to entry, like Pearsend is doing. Um, and as Craig often says, it's the plumbing. You're not supposed to know it's there. You're not supposed to care what it's branded. You're not supposed to understand it. When people watch the television, you know, 99% of them don't understand how a television works. And nor do they need to. You know, we were starting this conversation talking about Pearsend um, and what a great onboarding mechanism that is going to be. Well, I'm pretty sure that if you are involved uh, with a, a sort of invitation from Pearsend to receive some money, uh, the example that uh, Jeff gave was, you know, here's five dollars or something. And then you go to your hand cash. Well, I don't think you even need to really know that it's got anything to do with Bitcoin. So in that sense, no. it does do what exactly what you were saying, well, Ruth, is exactly. that it's just in the background. And as Handcash has got the apps that you can use it in right there and then they're built into the wallet, absolutely. Because you know, people, did can... people didn't have to go around and explain to their parents what the internet was. No. They just said, if you've got a lot of junk in the attic, you know, there's this thing called eBay, and you, you may want to find out about this because you could turn it into some money, for instance. <laughs> Or if people just wanted to talk to each other online or send emails or have video calls. Yeah, I mean, this this is the thing. I mean, I, I thought that Bitcoin phone was uh, probably going to be quite a big... Yeah. But uh, yeah. just just one thing about the conference I wanted to ask you. you you're both founders of the Women of BSB group. I wondered whether uh, what you thought about the, the lack of women uh, appearing at the conference and whether your group is in some sense uh, a kind of campaigning group to get more women into BSB. I wouldn't say a campaigning group exactly. I think it's more just trying to um, provide marketing and, and education with and, and entertainment just with a different slant that ha has more appeal to women. Because, you know, um, a lot of it's quite dry, a lot of it's quite academic, and we're trying to provide the... A bit of light relief, really, and and um, in a, in a more sort of chatty way, and find out about the people as well. We're quite interested in, in the people themselves, the entrepreneurs. Um, so we're asking sort of slightly different questions and and having a bit of fun with it. I, I think, from my perspective, I, I don't want it to be too serious. We're not an oppressed minority. We're not um, in any way sidelined. Uh, it's not that at all. We're just we're just enjoying it and giving a slightly alternative take on the space and, you know, a bit, bit of colour and, uh, you know, joy, hopefully. Yeah, there are, there are certain applications that we know about that don't get covered as well, obviously, by CoinGeek because... I suppose because we're quite a social element as well, we see different different apps that are out there, and and mm. and you know a lot of artists and musicians and everything yeah. as well. So it's just a different take on that enterprise side of things as well. Do you think that women could be better represented both at the CoinGeek conferences and 
um, on the website and so on, other things that CoinGeek does. If you know, if if we looked harder for con- contributors who are women, I don't know. It's a bit of a chicken and egg. Well, I think I, I, talking to Rachel though. I mean, from 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 um, BSV World. I mean, she's a developer, and she was saying, you know, there is a lack of female developers. So the, I think they get you know taken up by big corporations very quickly so um but i suppose maybe that's something that maybe a call out for more more female developers as well might be something that could bring more you know what i'd like to say as well i'm a graphic designer ux designer myself and when i look at things like oh john john pitts jack pitts uh dictionary i kind of think we need a bit, a bit more in the way of female UX design here. Yeah, you know, these yeah. things could benefit from having, uh, you know. So I, like I think there are contributions that you you'll find more often women working in those that side of things uh, that perhaps they could use that more. Um, I mean, well, I'm I sure Jack Pitts would be delighted to have any <laughs> suggestions about the design well, of Flickstreet. He's, he's the ultimate businessman. I mean, he's got a fantastic pitch. I love his product product. You know, but at the same time, though, you know, a, a graphic designer looking at it wouldn't hurt, frankly. Uh, I'm being quite rude there, but never mind. You'll have to just take it on the chin. I, um, I, I have actually contributed to Slictionary. I made my first contribution the other day. Did you? Uh, what, yeah. was, what was the word? Frequency. Oh, oh wow. Interesting. Yeah. As in a what, sound from... frequency. Well, yeah. that's what your uh, your master's is about. Yeah, that, that was, um, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, both of, you, both of you are extremely technically minded. I've, I've sort of seen your own uh, videos and uh, where you have gone into interviewing each other and your colleagues in the women of BSV. And you both have a lot of technical skills, actually. So, I mean, why are you not rolling up your sleeves and starting your own BSV startup? We will. Give us a chance. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting there. We will. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, uh, we need some hardcore coders on board is really what it boils down to. Uh, yeah. I, I can do HTML and JavaScript, but I, you know, when you get into, um, you know, the real nitty gritty back end, I, I need some help. So Yeah. And I, I, I um, as I said, I was theatre and TV. So production management and lighting and sound and music are kind of, my my real you know go to and, and art so I do do HTML I did do C you know learn C plus coding but it's not something I, I will admit it's not something I overly enjoy sitting there coding all the time so I will avoid that as much as possible to be fair but I like the the creative side of things more so um, that's kind of where you know I think my strengths are, are well in that I mean respect. Having seen uh, one of your videos, I, I'm never going to be able to forget, Diddy, your six years uh, organizing Santa's Grotto in Nottingham, yeah. where you played the part of Snowdrop the Elf. Yeah, um, very, yeah. I mean, that, that, is, that is definitely something for any good CV to, to, <laughs> to have on it, I think. <laughs> I just really like to make Christmas a very magical time for the children. It's, it's, I'm, I'm quite traditional. I did 16 pantomimes as well, so I worked on 16 pantomimes. So I, I, I enjoyed being Snowdrop the Elf, but yeah, it's one of the... Did, did he's basically done everything. If you should talk to her for long enough, 
Well, you'll you've done out. a lot of things as well, Ruth, I know, because you've sort of combined entrepreneurship with technical skills because you were quite early on in um, offering your services, making websites for people, I think, before the time yeah. when everyone had a website. Mid-90s, yeah. I um, decided to go self-employed pretty early on because I'm not great at working for people, is the truth. I don't tell anyone. Um, so I became self-employed as a web designer in about 96. I think it was so it's a long long time ago now uh, but yeah I've, I've always loved technology I still love technology I always like uh, the latest things I, I want to know about them I'm kind of a voracious reader um, and I you know so you'll always find me kind of at the at the cutting edge of things uh, being an early adopter but that that's just you know, that's my thing. I, I, I've i got room to arthritis. I don't walk and move very well, unfortunately. So for me, the whole concept of the metaverse and, you know, making everything more accessible and making it digitized is actually great for me. I wouldn't say it's great for everybody, but for me, it is, um, it, it, it sort of broadens my horizons uh, right. in a big way. So I'm all for it. <laughs> Well, look, thank you both so much for talking to me today. If, if people want to find out more about women uh, women of BSV or if they might even want to put themselves forward as a member, what, what should they do? Find us on Twitter and we'll welcome and you with open arms. Con consider and their application. YouTube as well. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and if you've... If you've if you've if you've if you've got elf qualifications, that will you'll be right in there straight away. I suppose. Well, I I I have a few ideas of what I'd like to do around that kind of thing um, within BSV. So we'll have to see um, what happens because I, I do have a few ideas, but I'm I'm a bit Certainly, to, to yeah. tell people at the moment because every time I put an idea out there, a couple of weeks later somebody's nicked the idea. Well, got, okay, I think we should we should reserve a spot for you at the next CoinGeek conference, and you can reveal all at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you both so much. It's been great talking to you. And you, thank Thanks very much to Diddy Weldon and Ruth Heesman. On the show next week, I'll be talking to Jeff Beck, the man behind PeerSend, one of the new products that impressed Diddy and Ruth so much. I'll be asking Jeff how PeerSend will let people buy from Amazon and about all the other amazing stuff he showed at the conference. Thanks very much for listening and do please join me again next week for another CoinGeek Conversation. <laughs>